the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God's riches at Christ's expense. One of many definitions of grace. We're exploring grace today out of Romans chapter 5. We've got an amazing definition of it here. Join us. Abounding Grace, Pastor Gary Wagner, next. It is the reign of grace. And if you've ever wondered just exactly how God could save somebody such as I, somebody as sinful as us, well, Paul in Romans chapter 5 has an amazing explanation for us. It's chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. That's where we catch up with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Won't you join us as we explore Romans together? Here's Pastor Gary and today's broadcast. Men will tell us that we are basically good. But if we are honest with ourselves, we know that is a lie. Because there are all kinds of things that other men can't see about us. They can't see the anger, the bitterness, the lusts, frustrations of our hearts. They can't see our pride Our selfishness hangs on to us like an octopus trying to drag us down into the ocean. These things greatly trouble us. And no matter how many times men tell us, hey, you're basically good, we know we're not. You know, when the bottle is empty, when the fun is over, when the friends have all gone home, we are left alone with ourselves in darkness. But here is the incredible news of the gospel. God does not leave us in the dark. He explains why we are the way we are. That in Adam's sin, we have sinned. That we not only inherited from him condemnation, but also an inner corruption. That is the foundation of all the filth we feel in our hearts. And pills can't remove it. Hard work can't hide it. We can wear masks all we want to and pretend, but it is still there. And there is only one remedy, and that is Jesus Christ and his gospel. Adam brought sin and judgment to us by his one offense, we see in verse 18. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, brings life and righteousness to us by his obedience. Now God's grace, his undeserved kindness to sinners is so abundant that it not only removes our root corruption, that condemnation and filth we have in Adam, but he forgives all of our sins because Jesus Christ came, he lived and died for us on the cross. And what did he do at the cross? He broke the tyranny of sin and death. 
He gives us righteousness and life to us by his obedience. So as we come near now to the end of this section in chapter 6, Lord willing, when we get there, the theme is going to shift away from justification to its fruits in sanctification. So we are at a very important place in Paul's letter. But let's make one main theme our theme today. We need to trust the obedience and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. As filthy as we are, we are cleansed in him. As condemned as we are in Adam, we are righteous because God in his mercy has reached down his hand to us in Jesus Christ. And he has made us righteous in place of our filth. And instead of looking at us as condemned criminals before his holiness, he receives us favorably. And he calls us his righteous children. But notice in verse 18, there's only one thing that brings this about in us. It is by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, if we're going to be led to the Lord Jesus meekly to trust in him and his salvation... We need to go back to the basic lesson that Paul has been repeating to us. You see, we have a judicial condemnation in Adam. God ordained Adam as the representative head of the whole human race. His actions did not just impact him, but every man, woman, and child who proceeds from him. So when he lapsed or made offense or when he broke God's commandments, we, by that act of obedience, were ruined as well. Notice in the middle of verse 18, even so, or by the same way, by the righteousness of one man, Jesus Christ, we are declared righteous before God. Now, of interest here in verse 18 especially, we see even so by the righteousness. Some translate this word as justification, and it is a word that looks very similar in the Greek to the word righteousness. But more properly here, this means active obedience. Because what is being contrasted is Adam's active disobedience versus Christ's act of obedience and consecration to the Father. Now, this is the heart of the gospel. Paul began this back in chapter 3, verse 21, with the righteousness of God is revealed from heaven. Now, here's the question. How may we be right with God, given our condemnation in Adam, and given all of the actual transgressions that we have that only fools pretend don't exist? How can we get out from under that condemnation. How can we be right with God? Our tears won't work. Our works won't work. It is only by one act of obedience by the Lord Jesus Christ. God knew there was no one else who could bring salvation. We see in Isaiah 63. So by his own arm, he brought righteousness to us through his son. So the point of verse 18 is very simple. Just as Adam ruined us by his disobedience, so Jesus Christ has saved us by his obedience 
and has reconciled us to God. Notice something interesting at the end of verse 18. It says, the free gift came upon all men. Hmm. Now, we might be confused by this. Because many people refuse the free gift. We know this because some of, ha- some of us have bitterly experienced this in our own families of men who have rejected the gospel. When they, and when they died, they perished in hell because they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. So, how can Paul write that this free gift came to all men? Later on. In 1 Thessalonians, he'll write, all men do not have faith. So is there a contradiction? Well, remember the theme that runs throughout these verses. And that is the headship of Adam and Christ. All who are on Adam suffer the consequences of Adam's active disobedience, the reign of death, condemnation, judgment. In the same way, all who are in Christ, everyone who believes in him, receives the fruits of his obedience, life, and righteousness. So what Paul means here by all men is all men who are under Christ. So you better not leave here today and be under Adam. Because if you are under Adam, you are still under condemnation and wrath. If you are under Christ, you receive righteousness and life. And how do we get under Christ? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your house. Confess your sins. Repent of them. Look to the Lamb of God that was slain and be healed and be made righteous. Notice what we receive when we are made righteous in the Lord Jesus Christ, justification of life. And notice it says we are made righteous. This is the only time this phrase is used in the Bible. So what does it mean? Well, not looking at all of the options, I think simply, this is the righteousness that the Lord Jesus Christ gives you and I, that then issues forth in life. Remember what Jesus said in John 10.10? You all know this. I've come that they may have life and they may have it abundantly. How to receive this abundant life? Did Jesus just set a good example for us? And if we follow that good example, then we will have abundant life? No, that doesn't work, does it? Because in Adam, it's not that we followed his bad example, His sin made us sinners and condemned us before God. The way we have life is by Jesus Christ obeying God's holy law in our place, for we had wickedly broken it. But here's the glory. The moment we believe the gospel, repent, look to the Lord Jesus Christ, he gives us life in place of our death. He gives us justification in place of our condemnation. So please understand, though, unless we flee to Jesus for refuge, which he freely invites, we are condemned. He says, all those who are thirsty, come to me. All those who are hungry, come to me. 
all who are weak, come to me. We must flee to him. For all who look to him will be saved and will have life, not only now, but abundant life forever with him. And John 6.39 says he will lose none. Now verse 19 deepens the idea, but also makes everything very plain. This is probably the plainest verse in this whole section. In fact, it is so plain that even a child can understand the basic historical facts pertaining to our condemnation in Adam and our salvation in Jesus Christ. Notice he says in verse 19, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. The verb were made is very important. Again, it is in aorist, which means it is past tense, which means it's like a snapshot, something that happened one time, not continuously repeated. So there is a definitive historical making of sinners. The other thing interesting about the verb is that it is passive. So it is not talking about our personal sins that made us sinners, It's going right back to the unity of the human race in Adam and his sin. The other thing is that the King James translation were made is not really very good. Because that's not really what the verb in its fullest significance means. Let me give you a couple of more fundamental meanings of the verb. To be constituted as something to be put into the category of a certain thing, to be established as being something. So what Paul is saying here is that by Adam's disobedience, he reached out his hand, he ate the fruit as the head of the human race, so his decision impacted everyone who proceeded from him by ordinary generation. That means every single one of us. What happened? We, everyone who comes from Adam, was put into the category of sinners. So we are constituted or made sinners, and we come under God's condemnation. Now, the same verb is used in the second half of verse 19 with a slight difference. It says, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Whose obedience? Jesus. Now listen, this is a glorious thing. It is the same passive voice, meaning we don't make ourselves righteous through Christ any more than we made ourselves sinners through Adam. That is God's work. It's not ours. This is not of of man who wills or runs on either side. But the tense of the verse here is future, which is compelling. What it means is that Jesus' obedience is so powerful that not only the moment we believe, but throughout our lives and when we stand before God and on into eternity, his one act, his whole life of obedience, his humbling himself on the cross, he has obtained our righteousness before God. He has opened up for us all of the grace and the fountains of heaven. That means that in our lives as believers, 
our sins do not take away one speck from the obedience of Christ. You know, very often we spin our wheels in guilt as Christians because we think, well, I've done some bad things. Now I've got to do some good things to make up for it. Forget it. You know that's not how it works in God's world. Yes, we sin. Yes, we are conscious of our fellowship with God being interrupted, that we don't enjoy Him as much as we did before. But how do we get back to that? How do we get back to that sweet spot of fellowship with God? Well, okay, God said, you've done enough good stuff again. You, you said some bad words yesterday, but you said some good words today. Okay, I'll let you go. No, it is by the one act of Jesus' obedience You see, as Christians, we never get over what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Our sins don't take away from it. Our holiness doesn't add to it. He has forever obtained our redemption by his blood, by his righteousness, and by his obedience to God. And nothing, beloved, can close the fountains of grace because Jesus has opened them wide by his obedience Now think about it on a practical note. Everyone in here who is a believer had to go to the Lord and confess his sins this week. Did you not? That was me. I was with you confessing my sins. Well, why did he hear us? I mean, if you did something to offend God, which all of us did this week, and if anyone says he has no sin... What does the Bible say about him? Very clearly, he is a liar. If anyone in here says, I have nothing to confess this week, he is a liar, and so am I. So if we offended God, though, any of you husbands offended God by the way you treated your wife this week? And any of you wives offend God by the way you treated your husband Any of you children offend God by the way you treated your parents or vice versa? Any of you businessmen offend God by the way you wasted your employer's time? For remember, he was paying you for that. I could go on and on because you see, this is a deep hole. So why did God forgive you? Because Jesus Christ obeyed perfectly. And because he maintained for us righteousness by his obedience, both in life, his active obedience to every word of his father, as well as by what is often called passive obedience on the cross. I actually really don't like that phrase, passive obedience. I understand what it means. But it conveys something else today that it originally did not convey. The idea is that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient unto death, which is wonderful. And that is the way we should think of his passive obedience. It is his voluntary self-emptying of himself and laying himself open to receive your death penalty and my death penalty. Now listen, every time you ask God to forgive you for something... Do you know where you have to go to or must 
or you're not forgiven, you've got to go back to the cross. You've got to go back to where the Lord Jesus Christ opened up for you the throne of grace. You have to go back to his empty tomb because he rose again for our justification. And where is he now? He's seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty on high, the living God. And what is he doing? He is praying for us. He is interceding for us. But as Christians, we can never get over this verse 19, that we have been made righteous, constituted righteous by the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's apply this a little bit more. Remember, through God's grace, we are taken out of the ranks of the condemned. Remember in Adam, we were made sinners. Now in Jesus, we are made righteous We are put into the category of God's righteousness, his forgiven children. Jesus' righteousness is imputed to us. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. We are no longer counted as condemned criminals before God through Jesus, but instead as his righteous friends. And this is a legal declaration. God says, you were guilty. My son intervened. He bore your curse. He bore your justice. You are not guilty. But just the fact that it is legal. And this has been actually a frequent criticism of the Reformation's doctrine of justification. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it is personally irrelevant now listen to me very closely we are legally counted condemned and guilty in Adam and we are condemned not because of a personal sin on our part but because of Adam's sin as he was the head of the whole human race the covenant representative of the human race but does that fact that it is a legal condemnation, make it personally irrelevant for us. You know, every day, we feel the implications of our curse in Adam in 10 million ways. Is your body decaying? Did you mean to say something good, but something nasty came out of your mouth today or yesterday? Did you mean to kiss your wife, but instead you criticized her? Did you mean to go and encourage your child, but while you were talking or walking into his room or her room, you see how dirty and messy the room is, and you basically turned into a beast? It's like, who am I? Holiday, Hollywood can't think of a monster as monstrous as man himself is and can be. You can't dream this one up. This condemnation in Adam, it may have happened a long time ago. I may not have been there. He may only have been my covenant head, but boy, I feel the implications of this every day in my life. That is the same way it is in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus, we're counted, constituted righteous before God's holiness. And by faith in him, we have a legal claim upon that righteousness. We can bring the blood, 
and the righteousness of Jesus before God, and it immediately opens heaven. Not magically. I mean, we have to believe it, and we have to cling to it. We can't be holding on to our sins and try to hold on to Jesus. Remember, Paul said, you can't partake of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. But if we are holding on and pleading the blood and the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, it literally opens heaven for us. God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins when we bring forward the name and the merits and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.